to have a granddaughter on Black Friday of last year. He, uh, he was in town visiting his daughter and her husband because their son, his grandson, was going to be baptized that weekend. So they said, all right, we're all going to come to your place, and uh, we're going we're to have Thanksgiving, and then we'll celebrate. He got it in his head on Thanksgiving Day on that Thursday that he wanted to get his grandson a necklace that he could wear when he was baptized, and then that necklace would always press against him, and he'd always be mindful that he is now a follower of Jesus Christ, having made public profession of his faith, faith at that. And then he, he, uh, he was adamant that they do it the next day only proving that he is a man, unaware that the day after Thanksgiving is only the biggest shopping day in the universe. And so they got to the mall the next day, and he realized what he'd done. He said, okay, I'm going to drop you guys off, and you guys get in there now, and you find that necklace, and they're like, oh, no, big boy. This was your idea. You're going to get in there with us. And so they get into the jewelry store, and they're looking, and he notices this precious little girl, and, and on her shoulder there's a hand that's shaking and a lady who's crying. And my friend speaks to the little girl and looks at the lady and says, it's none of my business, but something seems to be wrong. Can I help? She went on to tell him how she's now the legal guardian of this little girl. She's late in age. Her son is in jail. Mother's disappeared. He will, he will never get out of jail. The mother's completely disappeared with a uh, drug addiction, and now her husband has died. She has all the money in the world, and she's terrified that she's going to die and leave this little girl with no one to take care of her. My friend said, well, now we're a part of this. If you want us to be, we'll be glad to be. My friend didn't know that his daughter had been praying that they'd be able to adopt a little girl. My friend had no clue when he drove his family into the midst of chaos at a mall on Black Friday, he was going to run into this need. But you know what? By that Friday night, they were all having a meal together at his daughter's house, and they were making plans. That little girl now has a mom and dad that she stays with several nights a week, and then some nights she goes and stays with Grandma. But most nights, Grandma's over for dinner. How does that happen? You have to understand, God has a divine purpose that's at work in the world. The Lord God Almighty has not abandoned us. He is at work in this world, and He invites His children to join Him in the family business. And to do that, all we need to do is look for His hand. All we need to do is to walk faithfully with Him. All we need to do is to live hopeful and be helpful. It's not complicated. We don't have to create the plan. We don't have to come up with the directives. We don't have to create the situations. God is already at work in the world, and He is inviting us to join Him. And what we're doing in this series is we are seeking to understand the fact that, that God has a divine purpose for all things. The fundamental scriptures that we're using are Psalm 139, verse 16. That is part of the foundation. The other part of the foundation is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I want to encourage you to make sure you know those texts. We're walking through the book of Colossians, but the, the foundation that we're building on comes from the, the sovereignty of God and the power of God who is at work in the world that we can trust His plan and His purpose. 
in the book of Colossians, what we see is the Apostle Paul teaching the church to understand and to live by faith in this glorious God that has brought salvation into them. And we're seeking to understand the things that God does and how we can join Him. God has given divine purpose to each and every one of us who believe. And He's given us the ability to, to take tools that He's offered and to, to use them for His divine purpose. And today I want to talk about gratitude and prayer. Gratitude and prayers have divine purpose. To understand them, we're going to get into verses 3 through 5. So, you got your Bible, and I hope that you do. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, and let's go to verse 3. Campbell's going to read for us. Campbell, come on up. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. If you weren't here last week, and I know many of you weren't because of the weather, be sure you go to the website or the app and uh, get, get ch- verse 2. Uh, so that you can catch up with us and, and follow along. So we're in verse 3 through 5. Hey, Kim, we'll read that for us. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Campbell. If you would, go ahead and be seated. So let's remember the book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. He was in prison when he wrote this letter. He found out about the Church of Colossae uh, through Epaphras. Epaphras was a, a person who came to saving faith at some point, probably when Paul was preaching the gospel for three years in Ephesus from AD 52 to 55, went back, shared the gospel, and the church was established. That church found out about Paul's need there in Rome being in prison, and they raised money and they sent Epaphras on a mission trip. And so, as Paul writes, Timothy is with them and a few others, but Epaphras is there. And he's given uh, Paul word about what's going on at the church of Colossae. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God has Paul write scripture. The Bible was written by his hand. And we have this letter that is God's word that was sent to the church of Colossae. They were having problems. There were some theological issues. There were some strong personalities that were at play. And so the Apostle Paul is doing what God called him to do. So he writes this letter, and he begins with a very formal introduction, which is what we've looked at the last two weeks in verses 1 and 2. In verse 3, he begins to get into the heart of the matter. He begins with a strong encouragement, lets them know he is praying for them. Paul lets them know he always thanks God when he prays for them. We always thank God, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. This is an understatement, but it needs to be said. Prayer is an important part of a Christian's life. We're going to be talking about this, the spiritual health of our congregation and of the individual souls within this body of believers. And one of the main ways we understand our maturity and depth and strength of faith is, is by our prayer life. If we are not praying, we have very little faith. Prayer is a way to understand how it is we believe. Prayer, prayer is an important part of who we are as God's people. See, understand, prayer is always to God the Father. It is always in the name of Christ the Son. It is always empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it is always according to the Word of God. Please understand, prayer is always to God the Father. It is always in the name of Jesus. It is always in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is always according to God's Word. Can you pray to Jesus? Absolutely. You pray to Jesus because He is God. 
And, and at once, I don't understand the miracle of the Trinity, but here's what I know. To pray to Jesus is to pray to the Father, is to pray to the Spirit. And there's absolutely nothing wrong to cry out to Jesus, to cry out to the Holy Spirit. This morning I was praying, Holy Spirit, move in this place. But all of it is according to the Word of God and in the name of Jesus. And it, it is vital that we pray. Acknowledge the need. Acknowledge the need very specifically when you pray. Acknowledge the need based on, on, on how it is viewed biblically. Pray according to God's Word. Pray what I would call smart prayers. Pray what, what God what, that God would do. And when you do that, what you're doing is you're acknowledging what, what God has already said He will do. You know, one of the things I always hated when my kids would do this when they were little, but Dad, you said... I hate when my kids are, are, are hysterical or historical, because in either case, it's going to be hard. Can I tell you that God loves when we are in a position to call Him to keep His promises? The Lord God has made promises in His Word, and He wants us to call back to Him His promises in His Word when we pray. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. You guys know Spurgeon's one of my heroes. Nothing pleases our Lord better than to see His promises put in circulation. He loves to see His children bring them up to Him and say, Lord, do as Thou hast said. We glorify God when we plead His promises. When you're praying, plead the promises of God. God, Your Word has said, and so I ask in Jesus' name. Lord, You have promised. I'm asking You to keep this promise. And when you pray, be smart. I, I like the acronym SMART. When you're praying, Pray what's significant. Pray significant prayers. Pray, me, pray measurable prayers. Pray significant prayers because our God is, is mighty. Pray measurable prayers so that you'll know when He's answered. Pray affectionate prayers. Pray from your heart. I hear so many times, oh, I don't like to pray out loud. Here's why. Because you think it's about you. I don't mean to be rude, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you know I'm good at stepping on toes. i got to play to my strings. The fact of the matter is, it's not about you. Pray from your heart. Speak to God. Speak to Him about what He can do. Pray something significant. Pray something measurable so you know when He's answered. Pray from your heart with great affection. Repetitive. Pray it over and over and over. Keep praying. It doesn't bother God. Keep holding up that promise. God, I'm holding on to this promise. I present this promise to you according to your word. Hear my prayer. And then time-based. This morning, as we anointed Sharon, I pray, God, heal her right now. Heal her today. I pray that she will feel this right now, today. And I told Sharon, hey, uh, if God heals you today, be sure and message me because I expect him to, and I want to praise God with you. Time-based. Is that extravagant? No. Our God is that big. Now, please understand there's no such thing as powerful prayer. God is powerful. Our prayer is always weak. There's only weak prayer because we are weak. And so every prayer we pray, it comes from a place of weakness to a God who is mighty. So please understand, no one expects you, no one wants to hear you stand up and offer up a powerful prayer. No. Those are no, those prayers are no good. Prayers that come to God in weakness and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Here's what your word has said. Here's the need. I know you can do this. I know it. I, and I ask this specifically. 
prayed to a powerful God. There's where the work gets done. And so we must pray. As God's people, we pray. And then when we see God answer our prayers, it makes us grateful. And when we're grateful, we pray more. And the more we pray specifically and we see the hand of God move, the more grateful we are, which breeds more prayer in us. So what things can we pray specifically for? And be grateful to God for? Take note, there's three in our text today. The first, gratitude to God in prayer comes when there is faith in Jesus alone. Paul writes, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Why? Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Paul knew that these saints believed in Christ alone for salvation, that that was their testimony. Having a testimony of faith in Jesus Christ is the most important thing you'll ever have in life. If you do not have a testimony of saving faith of what Christ has done in your life, concerned for you, and you should be very seriously concerned for yourself. There is nothing more important for you to have in your life than a testimony of how God has intervened in your life by the power of the Spirit through the saving work of Jesus Christ. And if that has happened to you, share that. Share that with your friends. Share that with your family. Let me tell you, there's nothing more sad for a pastor than to gather with a family to, to see them uh, bury a loved one and to ask them, well, tell me their God story. Well, you know, I, I think they went to church when they were young. I know they had a Bible. I heard them pray once. I know he was a good person. Friends, there's no hope in that. Make sure your children know your salvation story. Make sure your parents, your friends, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. I tell my story all the time. I'm sick of telling my story. But you know what? I continue to tell it because it's God's story. It's not mine. It's His story. And it brings Him glory about what He can do. Share your story and listen to me. Ask other people their God story. Have you ever asked that question? Hey, tell me your story. And what does it have to do with God? I'm curious. I have a friend of mine uh, that does this. And we get to lunch it a few times a year. And one of the things I always ask him is, well, what stories have you heard? So we were together uh, a couple of months ago, and, and he made me laugh so hard. He goes, well, he said, I almost got thrown off an airplane. And I said, well, I'd love to say I'm surprised, but what happens? He said, I met a preacher. He said, he said, he was a he was a big man. He said he was a big, loud African American pastor from Louisiana. He said those people from Louisiana, man, they're hostile. He said we started talking, and I said, well, brother, I don't want to intervene. He goes, no, no. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? He said, well, tell me your stories. Anything to do with God? Anything to do with God? Well, they're on Southwest. People get in the move seats. You know what I'm saying? Some wanted to get away. Some wanted to get closer. Uh, he also told me about this this, this uh, young lady who's a Hindu working her way up the corporate ladder. She doesn't believe in Hinduism. She's very curious about Jesus Christ. He he told her his story. He encouraged her to gain a salvation story in Jesus Christ. They're still in conversation uh, by email. He told me about a young man he met here in town. A young man who has been on his own a long time. He's working three jobs. He's a student over at Western. He's barely making it, and, and he wants to do right. And, and my friend shared that's a good story, but can I tell you, God is a personal God. 
is a present God. He is a powerful God. And now they're talking through, what does that mean? He is, as of yet, not accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, but He's hearing the gospel. You know where it all started? He didn't ask, hey, you go to church anywhere? Because church people lie. Oh, yeah, I go to church all the time. Do you? When was the last time you went? Uh, ask people their story. Ask their story. Tell me a story. Have you ever had an encounter with God? What did that look like in your life? And then share your story and let people know how God is at work and have a story where you can talk about how God not only was at work, but is at work. See, we're to have a story where it is a measurable change that is happening in our lives. The Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, look what he said to him. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress, your progress. We need to have a story that is progressive, that is growing, where we are being transformed and changed. We need to have a, a story where there is fruit that's being born. You're wondering, what should I pray? What should I pray about my story? Pray Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Pray that you will be transformed by your faith to love. And when there is love, divine love, God's love, there's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things, there is no law. Pray for those things specifically in your life and in the life of those you love. Pray that you will see them in measurable forms so that you will be grateful when God brings about the change. Many of you know Pastor David and our congregation. Many of you know that his wife has not been home because she's either been in hospital or in rehab for going on almost 140 days. I've seen him cry, I've seen him laugh, I've seen him just be exhausted. The thing I see most is a man who's growing in his faith. I can see his faith. And it's glorious. And I can see it through love. And that's the thing that we got to see. Write it down. Gratitude to God in prayer comes when there is love for Jesus' family. Paul writes, and of the love that you have for all the saints, he, he's always giving thanks. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And because of the love that you have for all the saints, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And those who are in Christ, these features become alive to them. What, what Paul is, is celebrating with these Corinthians is the fact that there really is a deep love for all the saints. Not just for the ones that have the same color or language of them. As a matter of fact, look over in Colossians 3.11. When you talk about all the saints, Paul is bragging on them. We'll be here in a few weeks and we'll take this apart. But look what he encourages when He said, to remember that in Christ there is no Greek, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. See, God didn't make people the same for a reason. What makes things, what makes beauty, beauty is diversity. God makes us all in different colors. God makes us all with different personalities, different passions, different purposes. Now, you guys know I'm an M&M man. You know that. But you know, if you can't get an M&M, Skittles will do. You know what I love about Skittles? The different flavors. M&M's, back, it's all pretty much the same. Different colors, pretty much. You know, Skittles, they have different flavors. And that's like the body of Christ different personalities, different skin tones. You know, some of my greatest heroes 
are, are folks of different color. Moses there in India, talked with him last week, one of my great heroes. Ibrahim, haven't talked to him in a couple of years, but I heard recently he was planting yet another church in a hostile village. Man, to hear about these five guys who are reaching out to those from Turkmenistan and Iran and the churches that are being formed there. I want to tell you something. If you don't love people of all color, you're going to hate heaven. And if you hate heaven, friends, you are not saved. It's not my judge, my place to, to give judgment. It's not my call who's in or out. But let me tell you, let me tell you the description of heaven. Revelations 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Every color, every personality, every every language, every all these differences. And if you think yourself superior because of the tone of your skin, you are lost. We are to love all people. We are to love that we've been given in Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ is revealed in love. Love for those God loves, that God loves lost people. God loves and desires to bring them all to saving faith, and He has the power, and He's chosen to do it through us. And all of it, faith and love, it's based on hope. Write it down. Gratitude to God in prayer comes when there is hope in Jesus' promise. Colossians 1.5 kind of summation, says because of the hope, that Greek where there's dia, it, 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 it might even be better to be said through the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. as the foundation. The foundation of the Christian faith and love is our hope that is laid up for us in heaven. In this life, we're going to have struggles. You're going to have pain. You're going to have sorrow. You're going to have sickness. You're going to face death. We are sojourners in enemy territory. We will be attacked. And we need to understand that, that the Lord is allowing the weeds to grow up with the weak. He's allowing the unredeemed to remain amongst the redeemed. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did, did, did you not sow good seed in your field? How, how, then, uh, how then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? He said, No. Unless we gather the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let them both go together until the harvest. In the harvest time, I'll, I'll tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the weeds there will be a day when Christ will come and every person will be judged and either they will be in the righteous standing of Christ alone as wheat gathered to the Lord where they will be as weeds and they will be bound and they will be cast in hell forever. In this world, the wheat seek to starve out and to destroy the wheat. But by the grace of God, we will be sustained. And as we suffer and as we struggle, 
We will remember what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are, are, are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. God says to us, make your life count by caring most for the things that will last forever. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? What gives your life meaning? What defines you? What fills you with hope? What gives you joy? What gives you peace? If it is a created thing, you have no hope. You have no joy. You have no peace. Because all things will one day be taken away. And the only thing that will remain is what is eternal in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is Jesus your treasure? So many people talk about wanting to go to heaven. You know what makes heaven heaven? Jesus. If there were no Jesus in heaven, it would be a golden prison. Some of you live in a golden prison in this country now. You have resources. You have time. You have health. You have every advantage. And you are empty because you do not have Jesus. A life without Christ is hopeless. So let me ask you, do you have faith in Jesus? Do you have love for all people? Is your hope in heaven? If not, then you need to get on your knees and you need to, to pray a very significant prayer and ask God to change your life right now in a measurable way. Do you have a need in your life? Are you anxious? Are you angry? Trust God. Do you not know that God is bigger than anything you will ever face? All things are small to God. Will you trust Him? If you're walking with Him in love, it's easy to get on your knees and ask for His divine favor. For the miracle to happen. Why don't you ask Him today? Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we just have a moment to, to reflect and celebrate your great grace, to respond to the word that has been preached. And so now, Lord, I pray for some who will come and get on their knees and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin, take over my life. I want to live for you forever. I pray for some today who, who want to come and say, Lord, help my heart. My heart is anxious. My heart is not filled with love. It's filled with other feelings. And Lord, I need your help. Lord, there are some in this place who know of desperate needs where there, there's brokenness and there's pain. And the answer is not just a change in circumstance, it's a change at the soul level where there is death, there can be life. Where there's brokenness, there can be healing. Lord, it happens to the prayers of your people according to your word. Hear your people now as we sing praise and as some come and ask for you to work through their prayer. Come and praise me.